the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my mommy and her friends on Trails and Testimonies. Come on, y'all. Let's go. Welcome to Trails and Testimonies. My name is Kim Fitz. You can follow me on Instagram or you can follow Trails and Testimonies on Facebook. Have you ever had a curveball thrown your way, be it a job change or a phone call or an accident that completely changed your life? That is exactly what happened to our phenomenal, strong guest that we get to have on the podcast today. She was in a horrible accident that left her paralyzed from the waist down. But just less than four years later, she's walking down the aisle to her future husband. A truly inspiring story that you do not want to miss. So put on your hiking boots and let's hit the trail. So whenever we start talking to somebody that I am so blessed to have on the podcast, I say, you get to pick the trail because if I were to pick it, it may not be the one that you love. And so I want it to be their absolute favorite. And the one that our amazing guest has picked today, Allie Grizzard, Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Of course. It is so wild. The place that she picked, not only is it beautiful, but I wasn't quite sure where I was going. So I had to put it into my ways and search the address. The address is 500 Believer's Way. Believer's Way. I didn't realize that. I've been coming here for years and I have not even realized that. Isn't that wild? So we are at the Carrollton Greenbelt at Hobbs Farm Trailhead and it is so beautiful. The weather is absolutely perfect and we are just off Believer's Way. (laughs) And Allie, you have been through so many things that you've had to have a lot of belief, Mm -hmm. not only in your faith, in God, but I think also really in yourself. Yeah, definitely. You had an accident mm-hmm. that paralyzed you. Yep. But, I love that part, but God. I always get chill yep. bumps, but God. Yep. So January 31st, 2015, I was driving my dog, Lily. She was eight weeks old at the time. I was driving her to the vet for her shots, and a hay truck that was carrying stolen hay was in the process of getting caught stealing the hay, and Who steals hay? I know. <laughs> Only in the country. Um, he was coming at me head on in my lane at about 50, 55 miles an hour. And I swerved to miss. And when I swerved to miss, I went to flipping end over end. I flipped for 75 yards, was ejected and thrown 50 feet from the car, landed flat on my back. And it paralyzed me instantly. I don't remember getting ejected. And they still don't know to this day how I went out of the vehicle because the windshield was still intact like it was busted but it was still intact so they're thinking that when I was in mid-air the passenger door 
um, flew open and I went out the passenger door. And for some unknown reason, I had a habit of wearing my seatbelt. I did not have my seatbelt on that day. And the first responders and EMTs that were first on scene said that it's a miracle that I didn't have it on because if I did have it on, I would have been decapitated. What? It would have killed me instantly and decapitated me because of the way the whole front frame of the car came down into the driver's seat. God just found a way. He just knew that day to distract me. What distracted me was Lily was refusing to get in the car. Not the eight-week-old puppy. (laughs) She was refusing to get in the car. Now looking back, I guess she just knew she sensed something that was going to happen. I feel like animals Yeah, they do. do that. They have that sense. And so like they wondered at first if she had distracted me, but I know she didn't because she was in the passenger seat. She survived too. No injuries whatsoever. Praise God. But they're thinking that when I went out of the passenger, like that's the only thing that makes sense is I went out of the passenger door. I grabbed her on the way down and held her on the way down. I don't remember getting ejected or anything. I just remember seeing the hay truck and swerving to miss. I do remember the feeling of landing flat on my back on the ground. It's a feeling I'll never forget. I remember just hitting it hard as a rock right out of the sky. And I remember my first thought being, oh my gosh, Lily. And I remember trying to get up and I couldn't move. I couldn't move at all. I couldn't move anything. My whole body was just numb. Everything was just tingling. I remember somebody saying, say something, say something. And I said, help. And then I remember him running over. It was the guy who lived in the house that the wreck was directly in front of. He was actually outside washing his truck. And his wife was standing at their kitchen sink at the window doing dishes. She's seen every bit of it. And uh, she ran outside screaming at him, like, go check on her, go check on her. And I know this because I met them afterwards. They had kept up with my story. The man was frustrated that they wouldn't let him in the ambulance (laughs) to go with me. to, uh, Because I rode in an ambulance to Tyus Baptist Church where a helicopter could land. So he kept up with me the whole time, and they were just dying to meet me. So I met them not long after I got home from the hospital, and they confirmed everything that had happened. They confirmed. Because, like, I had questions, like, you know, was there a hay truck? Like, am I just, like, was I imagining things? And he said, no, there was a hay truck, and the guy was in the process of getting caught stealing the hay. And, like, the man that owned it had ran outside while the guy was in the process. He took off, and that's why he was flying and rushing and in my lane. So that confirmed everything. But after he ran over, I completely blacked out. I remember hearing the sirens coming. I don't remember anything. They said that I took my last breath when they put me in the helicopter. And it just so happened... I met the EMTs and first responders and firefighters and everyone who was on scene not long after I got home, too. And they said it's just a miracle. They've never seen anything like it. It just so happened to happen at a time when the Life Flight helicopter was actually already circling in the air that day in the area. For what reason? Just They were just out on a joyride, like testing some things out, I guess. And they just so happened to be in the air when the call came through. And they said... If they had not been in the air, it would have taken the Life Flight helicopter a good 30, 35 minutes to even get there to the scene, and I wouldn't have made it. Because when I hit the ground, my spleen also ruptured, and all of my organs were bleeding internally. I had a C2 hangman bone fracture in my neck, all organs bleeding internally, two gastric tears um, in my stomach on the inside, then 
back completely shattered into pieces and my spinal cord severed at T12. They said it, it's just a miracle that they were in the air. They got me to Grady. When I got to Grady, oh, I also had collapsed lungs. I always forget that. I forget that because of You had Grady. a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I got to Grady, though, and Grady's the reason that I always forget that because Grady didn't fix them in time. But when I got to Grady, I was rushed straight into the OR, into immediate surgery, of course, for them to get my spleen out. So they got the spleen out. They repaired all the bleeding internally that I had. They repaired the gastric um, tears that I had. Then they knew that I had severe spinal damage, but they I was not stable enough at the time. They gave me so much blood. I don't even remember the exact amount. Said I was not stable enough to have my x-rays and CT scans yet to see the spinal damage and everything that I had and to check for brain damage. Two days went by, three days went by, and I stayed on the ventilator, but I was stable enough to go and have my x-rays and CT scans done. That's whenever they seen that, you know, my entire back was shattered. I had spinal cord injury. So then the next day I went into an eight-hour back surgery for them to reconstruct everything. So they reconstructed my whole spine. It's nothing but metal. It was so shattered. I can look at my x-ray pictures today and there's still just bone fragment just like everywhere that they just they couldn't even fix it's they said it's not possible it's just gonna have to heal that way I could not have surgery on my neck because it was on c2 it was on the hangman bone and it was fractured they said if they were to do surgery on it it would kill me instantly so they just had to let it heal and a neck brace I wore the neck brace for like 16 weeks after that surgery and everything I stayed on the ventilator and breathing tubes and everything I still could not come off and whenever I was stable enough to finally come off of it Grady transferred me to the Shepherd Center this was two and a half weeks later when I got to the Shepherd Center I was right back on the ventilator because I still was not able to breathe on my own come to find out Grady had sent me to Shepherd with the collapsed lungs Grady did not fix the collapsed lungs (laughs) So then I ended up over at Piedmont next door to Shepherd for my lung surgery. After the lung surgery, I stayed in ICU at Shepherd for an additional like three weeks. After that is when I was finally able to come off of the ventilator fully when I could breathe on my own. And that's when I started to remember things. That's when I started to be able to you know talk to people and and remember things I was still out of it with pain meds for the most part but I was able to you know be awake and alert some days so after that I spent a full seven and a half months at Shepherd in very intense physical occupational recreational therapy the whole nine yards and would not be here today without them and so this is almost a year later Yes. If I'm yeah. trying to once do my I, math right. Once I finally finished everything, I mean, it's like that whole year just just flew by. It's like 2016 rolled around and I was like, whoa. How many surgeries did you have? I had a total of three surgeries. And the surgeon that did my spinal surgery, he had been a surgeon for like 35 years or so. And he said in all of his years of being a surgeon a trauma surgeon at that he said he's never in his life or in his career seen somebody with as much spinal damage that I had and not have brain damage too he said it's a pure miracle that the life flight helicopter got me to the hospital to Grady just in time 
to rush me into surgery before I started losing oxygen to my brain. Isn't it incredible that they keep saying the word miracle? Yes. And I'm just thinking we don't like for bad things to happen. Yeah. Obviously, but God is going to use it for the good. Oh, yeah. Always. So I'm like wondering how many EMTs, how many Mm -hmm. nurses and the surgeon got to see God's handiwork. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And his love in your body. It's amazing. And transform their lives. Yeah. Did any of them mention anything like that to you? No. Um, so it's actually funny. The surgeons are actually, I guess, just monotoned. <laughs> and they don't want to give people hope and then, you know, watch people get destroyed when something doesn't happen. So the surgeons actually, they say it's a miracle, but then they also turn around. And, like, I was still completely out of it. I was still on a ventilator when he told everyone in the room that I would never walk again. And it's funny because they say that people in comas can always remember Mm -hmm. things. And I guess that is true because I wasn't in a coma, but I was on a ventilator and breathing tube and everything and completely out of it. I was dead asleep on pain meds and everything and not even able to breathe on my own. And I remember being completely out of it and laying there in that bed and I remember him calling everyone into the room and telling them that I would never walk again and I mean he was just so blunt about it like she'll never walk again she'll never you know have control of bowel Mm. and bladder again she has a spinal cord injury she's paralyzed from waist down she'll never do this she'll never do that and like he was just so blunt about it that's the way they are and I've learned just from having so many different doctors ever since and everything I've learned that doctors they don't want to give someone a sense of hope so they just are blunt about everything and I mean I see their reason for doing it they don't want to crush people when something doesn't happen but they would say the word it's a miracle and all that but they wouldn't just be positive about it and she'll still be able to do this and that so he wasn't talking to you when he said she'll never walk again but you heard it yes do you remember what your thoughts were I don't remember what my thoughts were, but I do remember hearing my granddad say, (laughs) he's a preacher too, I remember him saying, well, if God can move mountains, he can move those legs. (gasps) So, yes, I remember that, but (laughs) I don't remember my thoughts at all. Because you said that you were kind of out of it. You weren't in a coma, but you were kind of out of it. Mm -hmm. When you came back and then you were told that you would never walk again. Do you remember your thoughts then? Everyone always asks, like, was I, like, negative or, like, down or depressed or disappointed? I never had a point where I was, like, negative about it. It's almost like I remembered hearing him say that. And I guess I was just, like, mentally prepared ever since then. And, I like, I didn't even know it. I didn't even realize it. It's so weird. It's God is all I have to say. Like, it was all him because once I fully got to where I could wake up and stuff and be alert at Shepherd after my lung surgery... I do remember a point where I was still so just exhausted and tired. And at the time, I still had five chest tubes in, still draining fluid from my lungs and from my lung surgery. I was still in so much pain from having the chest tubes in. I remember they would send the physical therapist in to, like, do stretches and stuff. And, like, I was in so much pain still that I was like, I do not want to do this. They were, like, tough. My mom and everyone, you know, was was pushing me to do it in Amos at the time. He was still my boyfriend at the time. We had only been together six months. And after a couple days of, like, you know, getting to know the physical therapist on that personal level and her coming in and just, like, trying to connect with me, it got easier. Two, it helped. Like, once I got out of ICU and got moved to a regular room, I would be, there was these huge physical therapy gyms. I would be 
in the gym on a therapy mat and you know me I still have control over my arms and hands and everything I can still feed myself and I would look over at the mat next to me at someone that had a brain injury or was paralyzed from neck down and they had no arm function no hand function no nothing and I would look over and I would just be amazed and it would make me grateful and make me want to work even harder just seeing someone else who had it 10 times worse so I always tell myself that now I'm like even on the bad days I'm like someone out there has it 10 times worse than I do and would kill to have my bad day so so you're even encouraged by them yeah definitely so you said that you and Amos were dating for six months Mm -hmm. and you had already been in the hospital for several months so how long had you guys been dating before the accident so no we were dating for six months when I had the accident okay gotcha yeah we were dating for six months when I had the accident yes year and a half after the accident that's whenever we got engaged and then we got married in 2018 and I used my leg braces to walk down the aisle that was kind of a thing like a a mental thing almost like where I remembered hearing the surgeon say that I would never walk again and so it's like I wanted to use Shepard actually introduced me to the leg braces when I was in therapy there once I finished the full you know seven months of therapy at Shepard that's whenever I found physical therapy here at home I wanted a long engagement just so that I could get really good. I knew I wanted to walk down the aisle. The day we got engaged, I actually sent a picture to my therapist. I said, are you ready to train me to walk down the aisle? He was like, yes, let's do it. He got me back in the braces and worked with me for the whole year and 10 months we were engaged, almost two years that I worked at being good in those braces to walk down the aisle. I love that fighting spirit. So when you heard that surgeon or when anybody else said, Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's not going to walk. You said, I'm going to walk down the aisle. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Did your husband know that you were going to walk down the aisle to him? Yes. Really, even before we got engaged and we had been talking about it, he knew that I wanted to walk down the aisle. So he was excited about it. Still to be able to see your future wife, Mm -hmm. who just went through something horrific and has been training to stand up and walk. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he was a hot mess. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, don't say that. He was nervous for me, too. Uh, I think everyone was. Really? Yeah. Knowing how tough you are and that you were determined to walk down the aisle and you did it. And so that was, it happened in 2015. That's Mm -hmm. a really short time. Yeah. And even, I still criticize myself, like, if I watch my wedding video because my mom and him both get on to me for it because, like... I'm so OCD. It didn't go the way that I wanted it to in my head. They're like, no one noticed that. They're just glad you made it down the aisle. Like, But me, I look at it and I'm like, oh, I should have done this better. I should have done no. this different. <laughs> it was still a whole new ball game because I had worked for so long in these braces, but I was working on flat commercial carpet in the physical therapy clinic or either on flat pavement outside. I had always been on like a flat hard surface training in them as well rehearsal day came the day before wedding day and the walk down the aisle was on grass and up a little hill I rehearsed it like 10 times at rehearsal it was so tough I was crying after because I honestly did not think that I was going to be able to do it after you know getting on grass and I was like oh my gosh this is a whole new ball game but 
it worked out. Um, like I said, it was it was tough. I still did it, and that's what they they tell me all the time. They're like, "But you did it. That's all everyone right? cares about. You did so, it." I mean, looking back, you know, I criticize myself, but other people don't see what I see. No way. I mean, on wedding day, you're such an emotional mess. I was. Oh yeah. Anyway, I was. Add that on top of oh, it. Oh yeah. It was like my adrenaline was going, but also the nervousness and everything. Oh yeah, the tears definitely. Shoot, I was nervous after rehearsal. Like I said, I was crying that evening, just like freaking out. And so you guys have been married since 2018. Mm-hmm. And do you still go to physical therapy? Yes. Okay. I go one day a week still. Mainly, and people ask me all the time, even on my Instagram, they're like, are you still working on walking, this and that? So I am still up walking one day a week in therapy. My goal at one point was focused on nothing but walking again. Like, even at Shepherd, I was so determined to walk again and my therapist they all used to tell me all the time they're like okay well you we have to teach you we know you want to walk again but we have to teach you to live again first you have to learn to live again this way before we can teach you to walk again and looking back they were they were so right like I'm so glad that they did not listen to me and they knew what they were doing that's kind of the point where I'm at now in my headspace is where they were at when I was focused on nothing but walking. Now I'm to the point to where I've learned to accept it. I still enjoy working on walking again. I still enjoy being up on my feet, but a lot of it is to keep me healthy. Like I have to, because I've lost so much muscle mass in my legs. You know, it keeps my blood circulation up in my legs. It keeps me from having swollen legs all the time. There's so many health benefits to me up and walking in physical therapy once a week that it's more so now I'm, like, focused on living this way but also working on it at the same time and, like, keeping myself healthy and active rather than just being dead set on walking again. And there are so many things that you do on your day-to-day basis that I could not even think of, that I just wouldn't even think of. But one of the things that I do think of when you were talking about being in your headspace, do you see a counselor as well in addition to it? I don't. Um, Or maybe your granddaddy because he's a preacher. (laughs) Just chat with him. Honestly, and I mean, I've thought about it before, but in the beginning, like it was a little rough, but I've never been one to like get down about it. Like I've I'm such an optimistic person, and I guess even before my accident, I was too. I've always been optimistic and stubborn and determined, and those things have paid off. So, <laughs> I mean, they, they have. And Thank I'm you, like, God. God made me this way for a reason. He knew, like, he knew I was going to need that. What happened to the guy that stole the hay? <laughs> um, they never found him. They never did? No. They looked for him for a couple of months. I do know for a fact, though that he saw everything in his rear view he had to have there was no missing it and I just tell myself all the time I'm like he has to live with that for the rest of his life so and that's between him and God yeah on your level of forgiveness though (laughs) with him and with what happened where are you at there I think I've forgiven him but there are some things I would want to say to him you know if I ever got to meet him I do think and I say this all the time I do think that even though I did not get to meet him and they never caught him I do think if I ever were to be somewhere and like him be there and me run into him I feel like I would know like spirit recognizes spirit. yes yes right. I feel like I would know and 
you know, I've, I've always told myself that too. That maybe one day, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna recognize this man. One day I'm gonna see this man somewhere, and something's gonna tell me that's him. And you have started driving again. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you still get anxious when you drive? I don't. So when I was at Shepherd, I was actually still just in their day program. I was like three months into the injury and they were wanting to get me back in a car and teach me how to get back in a car and drive. And I was totally against it at first because I was like, if I do get back behind the wheel, like I wasn't scared of driving again. I was scared that I was going to get back behind the wheel and have flashbacks. It was all going to come back to me. So I was totally against it. I was like, no. I was like, I don't want to work on this. I don't want to drive right now. At the time, when I had that mindset, I was not fully independent yet. I was still depending on my therapist and mom and everyone to take care of me. Every day, when I got fully independent to the point to where I didn't need anyone to take care of me anymore. And this was not long after I got home from Shepherd. It was the beginning of 2016. I'd said that January rolled around. By then, I was completely independent. And I got tired of depending on someone to take me to the grocery store. Or, you know, run me to the store to get this. Run, I got to run and get that. And it got old having to depend on my mom and everyone to do that for me and so that's when I was finally like okay it's time to drive again so I did um, I started working on getting a car and actually the brain and spinal cord injury trust fund of Georgia paid for the car and then voc rehab paid for the hand controls in my car I drove again for the first time by myself without anyone in the car with me in May Actually, the first place I went by myself was my little brother's birthday party. So oh, I love that it. That was the first day that I loaded the chair up in the car by myself. So you've learned all these other techniques of how to load the chair and how to drive a different kind of car. Mm-hmm. All these other techniques. But spiritually, what have you learned? Oh, so much. They always say you don't know how strong you are until that's the only option you have until being strong is the only option you have and it's so true I didn't know what I was capable of until this happened so I'm very thankful for it and spiritually I've just learned like you said God can get through these trials and everything to you in your life but he uses them all for him all for the good and that's def I've definitely learned that like that no matter what happens, it's all it's all for him in the end. It's all going to work out how it's supposed to. It's all for the good. He's going to use it somehow, some way, for the good. And just like your granddaddy said, he's going to move mountains. Yeah. He will move mountains. Yeah. And I think that this is proof that he has. Oh, yeah. If anybody ever questioned that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The EMT saw that. The surgeon saw that. Definitely. The nurses saw that. Your physical therapist has seen it. Yeah. Um, and hopefully anybody listening yeah. is reassured that he can move mountains. Yeah. And so whatever you're going through right now... Just keep the faith. Yes. At the end of every episode, we like to do an encouraging quote, one that got you through mm-hmm. that huge trial. Um, it's called, Happy Trails to You, as we hit the trail yet again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what encouraging quote would you leave everybody on that It's one you? that I actually... You know, I actually started saying myself in therapy on my bad days. I would always say, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. I still, to this day, say that every time 
I'm having a rough day or whatever, you know, like I said before, I think back to everyone that would kill to have my bad days. And I, I just tell myself, I'm like, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. Everything will be different tomorrow. Like tomorrow is a whole new day, a whole new slate. So that's, that's one that I always remember. And so now you just continue to yeah. strive on and move forward. Yeah. Whether it be a bad day, a good day, a, yep. it's a good life no matter yep. what. I always say, just keep going. Yes. Just and keep swimming like so, Dory. That's, that's what I was about to say. Really? It's, it's so weird. I always think back to Finding Nemo. And I'm like, Finding Nemo when I was little, I always, I tell myself, I'm like, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Like I do. I do that all the time. And then I'm like... You know, I'll change it up and be like, just keep going, just keep going. Because <laughs> like, if I say just keep swimming, people are going to be like, are you talking about Nemo? Like, But I do. I think back to that all the time. I'm like, Dory had a purpose. Yes. Dory Dory was, you know, a good story for, for little kids out there. Because I remember when I was younger watching Dory and she was always, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. I tell myself that all the time. And so now I'm going to watch that part differently with yeah. my four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love it. Allie, thank you so very much You're for coming on. Thank you for having me. And now we're just going to keep on going. Yep. <laughs> Subscribe, like, I guess that's it guys.